Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. On today's program, we continue our coverage of the current round of conflict in Palestine. Boudour Hassan is a Palestinian socialist, feminist and journalist. Hassan is a legal researcher for the Jerusalem Centre for Legal Aid and Human Rights. She's from Nazareth and spoke to Frida Afray, a supporter of Accent of Women. We pick up the interview between Frida and Boudour, where they're discussing the role of women in the Palestinian resistance, the feminist movement against gender violence and solidarity with women prisoners. You know, I, I definitely agree with you that when a people are under so much pressure, under occupation and being shot at and killed and, um, you know, suffering from pogroms and daily assaults, that it's, it is very hard to disentangle yourself from the geopolitical game. Um, it is hard to, uh, you know, see the bigger picture. At the same time, your beautiful presentation just shows that um, that uh, there are many Palestinians or uh, who, who who are seeing the bigger picture and do not want to get disentangled in the geopolitical game. And at the same time, I think your response just just suggested that the the uh, focus on women's struggles and political prisoners are two two areas in which we can really uh, allow for that kind of regional and international solidarity. So that's what I'm going to turn to now. Um, the next question um, is about the feminist struggle. Yeah, it is uh, the follow. In September of 2019, hundreds of Palestinian women took to the streets in Haifa. Jerusalem, Ramallah, and Gaza to protest against femicide. They chanted free homeland, free women, and said they do not separate the struggle against Israeli occupation from the struggle against misogyny and femicide. They demanded action against gendered violence and called for the recognition of, of women's right to autonomy. How has this Palestinian Me Too movement fared? What is the state of solidarity between Jewish and Palestinian women, given that militarism and misogyny is pervasive in Israel? Okay, so I will divide my questions onto, into two sections. The first pertaining to the movement itself. Since September 2019, uh, the movement continues to expand. Uh, not only through the organization of protests, but also through its support for uh, outlets that highlighted women's experiences with sexual violence, especially in, uh, at the hands of uh, uh, prominent Palestinian leaders, uh, intellectuals, uh, human rights, um, in human rights organizations as well, in the spaces where you would expect that there is more respect for women's rights, but apparently it's not the case. And it, it just goes to show how misogyny is everywhere, really, not just uh, including in human rights or within human rights organization and in the 
academia uh, as well. And the role of this movement and, and how this movement has also joined other social movements growing inside Palestine, like the movement against, uh, uh, like the movement which started in the Palestinian city of Emil Fahim within the Green Line against uh, the Israeli police and its role in uh, supporting and empowering organized crime. Uh, so Talat and the uh, movement of Emil Fahim and other student movements uh, participated on, in the organization of these protests. They also joined hands in hands with uh, other uh, with the LGBTQ movements against uh, violence and incitement against uh, LGBTQ and queer activists and, and queer people in Palestine, uh, whilst at the same time condemning and clearly taking a stance against Israeli pinkwashing and the the machine basically of Israeli pinkwashing. So there have been small steps, but there has been much work behind the scenes, not only on the street in organizing. And the importance of the work that Talat has done since 2019 has been reflected in what we're going, what we're seeing now, because activists in Talat as a movement and as a part of a, a an umbrella of social movements has participated in this in the organizing for the general strike and what to do during the general strike in order to turn it not just into a day of off but a day of action a day of protest a day of uh, crystallizing consciousness uh, for example also of organizing uh, of, of organizing for protests by helping women. For example, we had a funeral in Amil Fahim for a Palestinian martyr who was killed by Israeli police last Thursday. So you saw the activists in Talat using their network and using their groups in order to organize public transport cars because Israel, if, if we had tried to reach Amil Fahim through buses and public transport, Israel would not allow us to enter as it has typically tended to do during moments of escalation. So you had you had see every woman uh, uh, organized through our groups to make sure that uh, all of us reach there and are safe uh, also. There have been this mutual uh, movement of support uh, of those women who uh, we can share our experiences during the uh, protests what we go through, uh, if we also, if, if there are also misogynistic remarks that we face from within the protests, or if there is obviously the, the biggest threat that we as Palestinian women uh, face when we are at protest is Israeli soldiers and police uh, men and women's attacks on our bodies, on our uh, on our uh, on the sovereignty and autonomy of our bodies this is the main attack but obviously highlighting all this and make sure that women are, are always there in the public space even when our presence annoys some uh, conservative uh, figures within these public spaces so this is what this was very important so it's clear that this accumulation 
the presence of Talat and, and when the Talat were organizing these small protests in support of women prisoners and against femicide, against misogyny. The street, there was very little happening on the street, politically speaking. So it was one of the few, very few movements organizing protests in the streets, especially in Jerusalem. And we were getting repressed and we were getting beaten, including when, uh, uh, including when we were, when we organized a protest in support of Iyad, a Palestinian who was killed by Israeli police uh, and uh, who has autism and who was uh, killed by Israeli police in Jerusalem. So we were brutally killed when we participated in a protest against this killing. We were brutally beaten by the police. Uh, so this was one, one of example of what things that we did that intersected also with our uh, with the activism of Talat as a Palestinians. Obviously, there are it, it's it's activism differs from one city to the other, uh, depending on the strength, the numbers of the activists in that uh, in that city. But it has always remained active, and it's uh, it, it has, as I said, provided a very important uh, infrastructure for us to uh, to use during these emergency moments uh, as a organizing force, which is, I think, very important. And we see particularly uh, the importance of this on how you see, especially the, the, the vast majority of lawyers who are now representing detainees. And it's very important because Israel has been going on a rampage of mass detentions and arrests against Palestinians on both sides of the green line. And you see how the vast majority of the lawyers representing these uh, detainees pro bono are female lawyers. Uh, who stay all night, really, without getting running on very, very little sleep to support the detainees and really stretching themselves to the very limits. Uh, so all these are examples of the role that Palestinian feminists, whether within the uh, organ, whether within the auspice under the auspices of Talat or as feminists or as women, have contributed to this current explosion and to this uh, current uh, movement. Now, on the other side, regarding your question, unfortunately, or perhaps it's not surprising, obviously, uh, Israeli women, Zionist women, have. Um, played a central role in enforcing and supporting Israeli militarism. We see this in those police official officers who beat us in the streets, many of whom are women, uh, the Israeli border police women. We see it in those who serve in the army and pride themselves in serving in the army and who are, uh, we see these in the Israeli ministers, female ministers and Knesset members who incite against us, threatened in 2014 with raping Palestinian women and who have waged a war on Palestinian women. We see this on the racism of Palestinian, of Israeli women and Israel, including Israeli feminists, including Israeli liberal feminists. Uh, against us, the most liberal, the, one of the most staunch Israeli feminists, Zionist feminists right now in, in the Israeli Knesset, Mirav Michaeli, who is the leader of the Israeli Labour Party, 
uh, actually, when she was asked about what the Israeli army is doing in Gaza, she said that she has full trust in the Israeli army. It's the only professional, it's the, the, its morality is never in doubt. It's the only professional organization. So when you see these remarks, obviously the vast majority of them have served in the army, in the Israeli army, are very militaristic. While they don't probably directly participate in mob attacks against Palestinians, or while some of them uh, even oppose, but they, they are very active in the incitement. And this is why it's very important not to fall for this claim. Oh, the only ones who are attacking are men. Perhaps the only ones who are carrying the out out the attacks are men, but Israeli women are playing a leading role in inciting them and in, in, in participating uh, them. So it's kind of, it's, it's very important not to fall for this. And I, I think it's, uh, this is why I always have believed that it's impossible for Palestinian women, Palestinian feminists to have any sort of alliance with, with Israeli Zionist feminists because our objectives are so entirely opposing or uh, uh, opposite to one another because for them the militaristic nature of the israeli state the foundational myth of the israeli state is never put in doubt uh, and because for them uh, the whole their whole feminism stops the moment we try to talk about palestinian rights to return to dignity, to liberation, to freedom, uh, even though sometimes they might fake caring about our rights, but it's not our, as feminists, as Palestinian feminists, we can't separate our uh, emancipation as women from our emancipation as Palestinian. This is why the only way uh, the only way to support us or the only alliance or the only ones we can uh, find any common ground with are those who express their explicit opposition to Zionism, to, to Israeli militarism, and who actually say and acknowledge that uh, you can't separate the fight for feminist liberation from the fight against Israeli settler colonialism. And, and when, what about the non-Zionist uh, feminists inside Israel? What about those connections? Surely not all the feminists inside Israel support Zionism. Not all, but very the anti-Zionists in Israel are a very, very small minority, I have to confess to you. Uh, obviously, they uh, some of them participate in boycott movements. Some of them uh, uh, even join some of our protests uh, and participate in protests and have actually been attacked and beaten by uh, Israeli police. And I think, yeah, although they are a tiny, 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 tiny minority, but yeah, they definitely exist. Uh, and um, and they, they had fought, some of them actually had left Palestine because they found out that it's impossible to actually stay here and uh, preserve your, um, I mean, it, it's, staying under, staying within the system that privileges one people just on the virtue of their uh, religion or ethnicity, uh, they just couldn't reconcile with this, 
But of course, when I'm, I mean, for me, the the litmus test is those who say they support the right of return, they oppose Zionism, and they uh, respect Palestinians' choices of how to lead our cause. For me, they are welcome in the Palestinian struggle against colonization, and uh, and and they know that they are welcome. Actually, again, as as I say that, I acknowledge that they are a very small minority, but I also acknowledge that they exist. Uh, and, and some of them have always, have not even treated, have not, don't even self-define as Israeli uh, and have used their privilege in order to support pal the Palestinian cause, especially to work in movements for boycott from within. And we value that as, uh, as Palestinians. Uh, so yes, I mean, they, they, I can't say that there is a strategic work to create alliances with them. I have to say, I say that our alliance is predominantly among Palestinian women just because uh, of the nature of, of the struggle here. But as I say that, I also think that they, they despite their small numbers, they have always supported us, and and, and we value their and we value the support. And above all, also we value those who acknowledge and realize that this struggle must be led by Palestinians, and they must listen to the voices of Palestinians and not use their privilege as something that gives them the the, the 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 right to tell us or to preach to us what they do. So for those who acknowledge us, I mean, and, and also know that know that there definitely have been very that there have been important allies for the Palestinian cause, whether they are here or those uh, anti-Zionists who are not in Palestine. Thank you. Yes, I, I agree. And um, it is so um, wonderful to hear about the Talat movement. And how the Talat uh, 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 movement, as I understand, is is really the Palestinian Me Too movement that started. Not exactly. I have oh, to okay, then tell me more. I'm kind of a bit. I mean, I have some problems with this because Talat. I'd rather view it as um, as the daughter of previous feminist struggle that emerged in Palestine. We use these discourses. We build on the legacies of uh, our ancestors rather than uh, legacies of. And obviously, there is the problem of the over whiteness of Me Too as a movement, which we will probably will not enter in this debate. But of course, some of the some of the things that emerged after Talat were uh, became a movement is that yes i mean palestinian women who wanted to speak out against and, and many can't speak out but those who could speak out and who received the protection and the support to speak out uh, and yes every every place in the world has its own Me Too movement. It can be framed or articulated differently. And I think it must be like that. But of course, it's um, it's, it's something I, I you can't deny the global influence that Me Too as a movement had gone. I just 
I, I just rather see us as see this movement as the daughter, the, the something out of the our own context, uh, especially that it doesn't simply highlight the voices of those only the well off or those who have uh, and it acknowledges that many women probably can't speak out and, and, and just doesn't only also, it's, it has many different faces and many different ways of organizing that's not limited to highlighting cases of sexual harassment or of, kill, of or femicide. I probably see it more connected, for example, to the movement of Neona Menos, the Argentine feminist movement, uh, or the, also the Mexican feminist movement, or the feminist movement in Chile, to be honest, rather than connected with, uh, with Me Too, if I'm being honest with you. Oh, no, that's wonderful. Actually, that's, um, um, that similarity with the Ni Una Menos movement uh, in uh, Argentina and the Mexican women's movement against gender violence and, and women's strike, the whole women's strike movement. That's a wonderful um, connection. And uh, I also, I also honestly did, when I said Me Too, I didn't mean it as a Western-centered movement. And I mean, considering that Me Too in the US it was founded by Tarana Burke, who's an African-American woman. And so it was rooted in the struggles of African-American women and, and certainly not rich women or well-off women. But yeah, I understand what you're saying. It's a much broader struggle and it has a history and it's native. And uh, it, all of those dimensions have to be acknowledged. And I appreciate that. And I think our, the, the viewers are gonna really appreciate learning that too. Um, which takes me to my next question, which is about um, women political prisoners or women prisoners in general. In um, October of 2020, Palestinian feminist activist and political prisoner Khaled Jarrar smuggled a very moving open letter from the Israeli Damon prison in this letter addressed to the Palestinian Writers Literature Festival, she wrote about the importance of books as, quote, the foundation of life inside prison, unquote, where the Israeli jailers, quote, seek to strip us from our humanity, unquote. She wrote about how Israeli jails confiscate books sent to prisoners and deprive Palestinians of access to books as a means of punishing them. For instance, she and other Palestinian prisoners are not allowed to get Gramsci's prison notebooks and many other educational books. She also wrote about how despite this deprivation and the solitary confinement and surveillance and lack of family visits, Palestinian prisoners still manage to write novels inside prison or conduct studies. For instance, she conducted a study about violations against Palestinian women and child prisoners, and also wrote a paper about education inside Israeli prisons. So this is all from the um, uh, letter that Khaled Jara smuggled out of prison. There are certainly commonalities between the plight of Palestinian women prisoners and women prisoners in other parts of the Middle East, such as Iran, Turkey, Syria, Egypt, Saudi Arabia. And yet there have been few attempts to organize joint support for women prisoners in the region 
or draw global connections between the flight of women prisoners in the Middle East, US, China, Myanmar, Africa, Russia, Latin America, and elsewhere. Why do you think so little has been done by socialist feminists in creating regional and global connections concerning the issues of, of women prisoners? And what do you think we can learn from uh, abolitionist feminism in the US, uh, again, started by African-American women? Um, what do you think we can learn from abolitionist feminism in the US in, in, in moving in that direction? Uh, and I thank you for uh, sharing and quoting from Khalida's letter. Khalida has been in and out of Israeli prisons basically for the entirety of her life. Uh, and her presence in prisons also has supported so many younger female prisoners, uh, especially those who are not, not well-known or not supported by their families. And we need to leave the conversation just here between Budur Hassan, an Accent of Women supporter, Frida Afray. They were discussing the latest Israeli assault on Palestine and the role of women in the Palestinian resistance. Tune in again next week for the final part of this discussion, where we focus on solidarity with women prisoners and the politics of prison abolition. But that's all we've got time for on today's program of Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. The music for Accent of Women was written and produced by George Kanjeri. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.